Hello, thank you for uh, joining us for Permission uh, Ministries. This is Michael Hubbard, and I've got my good friend Paul Dabdu here. Uh, Paul and I go back a few years. We uh, tag team on some things with Third Day. We did redid the uh, values and didn't redo them. We just upgraded them. You can go to our website, permissionministries.com, and you'll find on the who we are, and there's a list of values there. And uh, we're spending some time in our newsletters and in, on our uh, videocast just talking about the values of... Uh, who we are and what we do. And to me, values are like the personality traits of an organization. You know, everybody has their own personality and uh, idiosyncrasies and even ministries and organizations do too. So um, Paul and I were privileged to work on that and uh, asked Paul to come on and share his heart about a few of the uh, uh, values that we have. But first, uh, Paul, why don't you just introduce yourself to everybody and and uh, we'll get into, that, get into that issue in a minute. Awesome. Well, I... My wife and I, we moved to San Diego around like 2007, and we felt a bit of transition that was going on during that time, um, really in some of the things that God had really placed in our heart, and specifically in this little beach community called Ocean Beach, which just happened to be where Gary lived in kind of the base of third day, unintentionally, that we went down there. And we were trying to figure out how we reach a community there. Now, that you didn't, is you kind didn't of, know Gary before that, did you? Well, I met Gary one time when he was pastoring a vineyard church in 1998. And I didn't realize how significant that encounter was back in 1998, because I also visited Ocean Beach during that time for the, for, for the first time ever. Right. So it was kind of looking back, you see how God orchestrates things, people that he puts in your life, because basically we wanted to reach this community. And it's kind of like the community that time forgot. Retro. This real quick that uh, for those who maybe just visiting uh, Gary Goodell is the founder of third day ministries and permission ministries is our uh, newsletter information uh, uh, name that we use. So sorry, go ahead. Awesome. And so we moved there and we're trying to figure out how do we reach this community that is post, post, post Christian. Actually, it's very new agey. There were a lot of witches covens there. You know, it's kind of not the place that I don't know that I think that most people are thinking of going like, let's go start a church here. Let's go start a ministry here. Right. And usually the approach that I believe that people were trying to use there wasn't really getting the attention of the people there. And a big part of that is that I really felt like people were, they were looking for an encounter. They were looking for something that was more than just head knowledge and, you know, and nothing wrong with head knowledge and nothing wrong with wisdom. There's nothing wrong with Bible studies or any of those other things. We're just really talking about how do we become really effective to reach a group of people who we're not in a conversation with. And so- right. Along that, uh, along the way, I end up, I guess, uh, being reintroduced to Gary because I was like, who are the people who are doing this different kind of thing? And who are the people who are sanctioning people to do different kinds of things? Because my experience up to then, I worked for three mega churches and I was doing right. primarily youth ministry and leadership there and everything else. And so to start to do something new, um, I'm kind of like, okay, do 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 I need to get sanctioned? Who's going to tell me that this is okay? And who's, but more than that, because there were some people who were writing books and talking about doing something a little bit different and reaching the community, reaching the lost, all of that. But I wanted to find somebody who was actually doing it. And so that's when I stumbled upon third day churches 
And the rest is history. We opened up a prayer room. So a lot of times people are familiar with prayer rooms being in churches and healing rooms, even like rooms that are usually connected to a local church or something like that, where people will go and get healing prayer. We wanted to reach new agers. We weren't looking to reach already reached people. And so what that meant is that we opened up a prayer room. We had no money to do it. Gary helped us. This was your this was your local neighborhood too. You actually lived in OB, exactly. uh, So you were familiar with it. And for those who don't know, Point Loma or Ocean Beach, it is it's a throwback to the '60s. I mean, you got uh, older guys and gals. They got the tie dyed shirts. They got the the ponytails, and it's just uh, all the old stuff. It's like throwing back like to the '60s, uh, hippies and everything. So, absolutely. And when we would walk around before we got the idea of a prayer room or a healing room that reaches, uh, that reaches new agers, what was happening is that God was doing these setups as we were walking, walking along. And I found that people were actually very hungry, hungry for spiritual things. They might not have been hungry for some of the things that, that I think that they at least thought that church represented, but I believe that they were genuinely hungry for God, but they were looking in sometimes all the wrong places, but God kept doing these in what I would say is these mini encounters where we would meet people, God would give us a bit of knowledge about them and they would be like wide open. And so it was pretty normal to see people getting healed on the streets and the people were very open to prayer and everything else, which was shocking because everything that everybody was telling me was that no one was open and that people were actually very hostile to Christians and to the church, but we were finding a a very different experience. So as I'm contemplating some of these ideas, um, Gary, we're sitting around talking. And I was like, has anybody ever tried to do like a ministry or a healing room that's not actually attached to a church, but that's actually just in the marketplace? And he says, you know, I haven't, I haven't heard anybody doing that, but you know what? That could be God. And that's as much as Gary said about it. Like, that could be God. So we start looking for a place. We end up next to all of these new age shops and actually situated under a marijuana dispensary. And we opened up. We would put little signs out there because we're trying to use their lingo. Um, Now, we always made sure that people knew on the front end before we prayed for them or anything that we were just everyday Christians, but that we believe that Jesus is amazing, that he's still here. He never stopped doing the stuff that he's doing and that he wants to speak. And we believe that he would speak through us um, and that they could encounter him. And so really what we wanted to do is open up a place that removed all the religious distractions where people could actually just encounter Jesus and they could make up their own mind about him. Yeah. And so what we would do is we put a little sign out that said, uh, prayer room, free spiritual readings. Uh, we're just using that terminology because we were going to pray for people and we're going to well, listen to God uh, for God to give us things. Well, you were speaking uh, this, to the, he was speaking to the language that people understood. Yes. And that's the art form we got to learn. We just can't speak Christianese to people. Right. And love the church, love what we do, but we've got to find ways to penetrate our culture because they're not going to catch our uh, our language and our culture as much. Um, we've got to, we're called to go and reach people. That means we got to, it's like a missionary. You can't come with your culture. And that's, you know, you read missionary history and that's what we always drop the ball. We convert people to our culture, not to the, the real gospel. Yeah. And I also knew that if we just put free prayer and we made it very church centric, then we would attract church people. And so what we want to do is, Hey, you know, we're going to tell people on the front end who we are. Also, if I put free prophecy on there, then people are going to have an idea about what they, what they think that means, you know? And so we just put free spiritual readings, healing. And, uh, and so people just started showing up. And the one thing about the new agers 
is that when they encounter the real, when they encounter something, they are some of the best evangelists in the world. And so it got to where word started getting out. We had no money for anything. We barely had enough money to even open the space. I still, in many cases, I don't even know where the money came from to open this place, but we would show up and people would already be just filling the hallways before we got there. And we saw God blow our minds. People got out of wheelchairs. Wow. You know, we wow. saw, you know, deaf ears open. We saw people encounter Jesus powerfully and give their life to Jesus on the spot. And it was an extraordinary time in our life because I was pretty new for the most part to a lot of these things. Uh, uh, but I'll tell you one thing is that when, when you encounter the presence of God, the real presence of God, and understand that that's what he's actually made you for, I think that there, there's no greater, I mean, that's what we're first called to before everything. Yeah. And when you encounter him, you just want everybody to encounter him. I love your story because I, I remember hearing about it. You know, I kept hearing about this guy named Paul Dabdu and through Gary, I would ask questions. And I started hearing about the stuff at, at uh, in OB. And then I started investigating. It was a cool place to go to. So um, before we get a few, I'd like to get some good stories from you. You touched on a few, but some even some specific ones. Maybe you can think about those. But what I think is really interesting is um, your journey as a, uh, as similar to mine, coming through the church and, uh, you know, me, I bumped into the vineyard and that was my entry into understanding, boy, there's a lot more to Christianity that I wasn't experiencing. I'd read about it. I believed it. The people I hung with believed it. I, 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 sometimes I call us a charismatic cessationist. We believe it, but we weren't practicing it. And uh, I think it's important for the church to get get into the place where um you know to have these encounters our faith has become real <clears throat> and it requires faith and stepping into it so i know you've got a real industry journey so tell us a little bit about your journey from um i don't want it to sound uh, negative but you know uh doing church as usual going through doing programs which are valid and important but there was a hunger in you that wanted you knew there was something more what was that like for you getting to there well i think for me you know i grew up just really in kind of a Bible church, kind of an, uh, a regular evangelical church, which I'm love my, love my heritage. And I love that foundation because I believe that anything that we experience in God, um, I remember John Wimber when they were saying, how far is this going to go? He said, well, not any farther than this book goes, which some people thought was actually very encouraging. Uh, and like, okay, well, this is except until you read the thing and you realize right, that right. God, God and some of the things that Jesus did were, were a little bit out there. But I would say that it was kind of a, a slower kind of journey for me. I wouldn't even say that it was something that I was looking for, nor did I even think was in the realm of possibility. And I did have uh, an experience where I went to a vineyard church. I was kind of not following Jesus during the time and ended up uh, attending this church. But it was really the church that I went to was really um, was really careful. Like they didn't want to like scare people away or anything else. And that was really great for me because I wasn't looking to have some major shift in my life or anything. And so it, so it was a good place for me. I mean, for me, I needed to go somewhere where I didn't feel like where a sinner, like the way I was living in my life could just show up and people received me. And that was the biggest thing for me, I, I believe in finding a home yeah. and past that, then the the holy spirit you know encountering him and i'm like oh well this this changes everything like you know but i would still say that it was kind of a slow journey because um you know i wouldn't say that i learned to 
cultivate that, leave a lot of room for Holy Spirit or anything else. Um, but I would say that I definitely had grown to a place where I, I, where I was seeing God touch some people's lives. He touched me, healing, worship, some of those things. It really wasn't until we moved to San Diego and I'd had what most people would think is a really successful uh, ministry previously, um, you know, because we did see God do a lot of amazing stuff. You know, a lot of people giving their lives to Jesus and growth and all of that other stuff. All good stuff. Yeah. But while all that was happening, my wife was incredibly sick. She almost died. We were in the hospital for uh, for a month. It completely pulled me out of ministry. Now, one thing that I will say about me, and it's not anybody else's fault, I was a very performance-driven activist kind of person. And so that actually worked very good for me just to be on a platform every week because I felt like I kind of didn't need people. Um, you know, I was really good at what I was doing on there. And But you know what? When my wife got sick and I'm completely not on the platform, but I'm just advocating for her life. And I'm literally staying up most of the night praying that her oxygen level um, stays at a certain capacity. You know, those are very humbling times when you finally realize it's like, I need something more than yeah. this. I need more God. Yeah. And that really, when we moved to San Diego, I thought that, you know, we'll kind of stabilize our life and my wife, maybe will get better medical treatment in California. But what ended up happening is that I had a very powerful encounter with God and I felt like God said, I, I'm going to heal your wife. And within months, my wife went from 13 medications a day to almost no medications. She was, uh, she was almost 100% healed. She had very, she had a lot of different conditions right, right. and we'd been enduring it for years. And that was the defining moment in our life where it, when you're the husband and when you're the advocate and you feel powerless and you've walked along some uh, long, some, because one thing about chronic illness and illness is just terrible anyway. And what it usually does to a family is right. a family can implode with all of that stress and all of those other things. When, when that happened, it was a defining moment because I didn't know about gift of healing. I didn't know about any of that stuff. I just knew that I had compassion and I hated seeing people sick and I hated seeing uh, ministries, you know, implode, families implode because of sickness. And what ended up happening is that's what actually prompted me to go pray for the sick. I didn't, it's like, I saw my wife get healed. That changes everything in your perspective of God, like goes, moves you from God can heal, but God actually, it is his desire to heal or it's his desire to encounter people. And so it was your, after was that, your, that we started seeing things. What was your theological process too? I mean, were you, would you consider yourself a cessationist or just question mark? Didn't know. Um, you know, cause I know a lot of people, they kind of get stuck in their head. They, they're not quite sure how to make that transition theologically. Was that a challenge for you at all? I believe that God could heal and that sometimes it was will God's will to heal. But I wouldn't say that it was something that I was on the edge of let's pray for everything that moves. Let's pray first. Let's give room for God to do something. Let's be um, intentional about our process. What's that? Let's be intentional about what we're doing. Yeah, because one thing is true uh, that I believe that what you what you practice in your life is an overflow of what you truly believe. And so whatever we believe, whatever our default is, what our first response is, is usually the way that we're trying to operate. And I would say up to that point, my, my default was Paul's going to figure it out. I'm strategic enough. I'm really good at fixing things. And that's usually the way that I went about things. And then when that didn't work out, then at a certain point that I would turn to God. 
And um, instead of, hey, I seek God and the overflow of my life is going to really come out of my own experience, my hearing his voice and that, and you know, all of that, God was really shifting my performance orientation and really, I believe coming to know him. I knew about God up to then, right. obviously, but to come to truly know him was just, it was, it was a, it was a game changer for me in my life. I think that's the, the key thing right there, Paul, is for many of us, you know, to be a leader, first of all, you've got to be someone who's got some self-discipline, some drive and you push and you, you know, got some intelligence, you've got a plan and a program and we can lean on our own understanding, but that shift to trusting the Lord is key. I'm just saying, Lord, I'm, I'm working with you. He's working with us. But our first, like you said, our first uh, step is to look to him, to lean on him. You know, Jesus said, I, I only do what the Father says. And it's that encounter, it's that relationship. You know, I wanted to ask you, I wanted to go back because you said you had that traumatic, that, not traumatic, but you had that big encounter where something shifted in you, that personal encounter when you were praying for your wife. Was that something you can share? Was, it, was, what did it feel, was there something you felt, you experienced? I'm just trying to give some tangibleness for some people who maybe are out there that, you know, God doesn't talk to me. God, I don't feel his presence as much. I don't know how to hear his voice. How did you know it was God and what was it like? Well, I was in a terrible place in my life personally, and I wouldn't say that I had any momentum going on in my life or anything else. I didn't have any, uh, any track record of anything, probably at least feeling in that moment that I had any kind of worthiness. You know, if anybody's trying to keep points or, you know, I've done these righteous acts and I deserve something. And I wouldn't even say that I was particularly seeking, seeking God during that time. As a matter of fact, I'd gotten prayer from someone maybe like 10 minutes before someone prayed for me and I got a little bit of goosebumps, but you know what? I was just kind of like, yeah, you know, this is kind of the typical thing. People pray for me, but nothing really happens. And I meet this guy who I knew that he had seen a lot of people get healed. And all I wanted to say to the guy was, Hey, if, if you even prayed for my wife by the phone, I would appreciate that. Cause we were in such a, we, we were in a, we were in a hole, like we were in a pit and we couldn't really see anything. Like I wasn't asking for much of anything else for my life, except man, if my wife could get 50% better would be incredible. Right. Right. And when I was talking to that guy, uh, he says, I'd love to pray for your, your wife, but I believe God wants to do something for you. Let me pray for you. And I'm kind of like, well, if it makes you feel good. <laughs> and I mean, no faith, no expectation. And I just bowed my head. And while he was praying, I mean, cause that's the thing is that I know that people have encounters where, you know, they seek God and then God shows up and everything else. And I wouldn't say that, you know, I wasn't hard to God. I just didn't have any expectations. Right. And I was at such a low place in my life with no momentum or anything else. And God just met me in that place. And I would say that it was, it was physical. It was emotional. Um, it, you know, it, I felt like what I had been experiencing for years, the weight that I'd been carrying for so long, kind of just got removed. Not that all my problems got solved, right, right. but that God shifted the perspective so that I can actually, you know, it's interesting that when, you know, God didn't tell us that all our problems would go away. He told, told us that we could, we could overcome that he would, he would have grace for us you know, um, all of those other kinds of things that he did say. And so one thing that was for certain is that I walked away from that moment, not, um, not with all my problems solved, but with this restored faith that, oh, God's getting ready to do something. This was, it was a game changing moment. And when I went home and I told my wife and I prayed for her, she said, well, I don't feel anything different. But for the next three days, I literally was trembling in my heart. It was very easy to cry. There was a tenderness. Cause I would say that sometimes when 
sometimes people can can kind of get a calloused heart because of sin and doing the wrong thing. But sometimes you can get a calloused heart just because you're trying to survive for a really long time. And that's really where I was. I wasn't trying to do the wrong thing. I felt like we tried to do the right thing for a really long time and things just weren't working. Yeah, and I know, I know for me too, Paul. Like, I know for me too, it was a, a sense of uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And at the end of a, a long journey in my ministry time, I got just like you, I was performance driven. I think most leaders are, especially in America, we're very you know, goal oriented. And uh, it's not until you get to an end of yourself where you, you, you almost like a rejuvenation takes place where you, you start over with God. It's a fresh encounter. And uh, it's a great place to encourage people that um, it's, it's you know, to me, it's like, can we even carry that in a, in a, on a day by day basis where we're tender towards the Lord? That we can hear him and i think that leads to what you you know what you've been sharing about that the ability to hear the lord because we're we're leaning towards him we're listening towards him and he can speak more to us yeah absolutely tell me can you give us a few stories of um some of your, your give us your hall of fame stories of some of the healings you know you mentioned wheelchairs you mentioned all kinds of good stuff i love those encounters when people walk in you know one of the fun things i've, I've been with you a couple times watching this happen and it's amazing. Oh, you've been with Jamie on the beach. You know, you've been out there with him too. And you look in that prayer tent and people come in. They've got this almost like, uh, you know how it is. They walk out. Oh, this will be fun. They're going to, they're going to, you know, read our, our mail or no, that's our English way of saying, it, but they're, they're going to interpret our dreams. And people kind of come with this idea. Oh, this will be a fun time, you know, and they've been partying. They're going to have fun. And to watch their face change when you start saying things to them. I've literally seen people go from this, this nonchalant to just tears coming down because the spirit of God just hits them so directly, tenderizes them, and they walk out. I, I watched one um, couple walk in, and uh, they were just kind of gigging and laughing. And when they walked out, they were just tears, hugging each other. They had such an encounter inside that, that tent. I'm sure you've had some of those. Tell us a few stories. Well, and one thing that I'll just say for the audience, because I'm sure it's kind of a mixed audience, and you're kind of like, you know, what is this or whatever. One yeah. of the things for certain, and, and we always need to know what we believe, um, you know, uh, you know, we're told in scripture, always be prepared, always, uh, always be ready. You need to know why you believe what you believe in all of all of that. One of the things that I always watch God do is that God scripture also says is that God holds the hearts of Kings in his hand. And so there are some times because I, we're not into performing tricks for people who aren't genuinely authentically looking for God or anything else. Like God's not going to sit there and perform circus tricks for people, but right. for the people who are, because there's some people who they might seem hard, but they genuinely want to want to know what's real, want to have a, have a true experience with God. And so God will give us the keys to their heart. And sometimes the keys to their heart is through a, a healing. And sometimes it's a simple healing. And sometimes it'll actually be revealing information about them that we couldn't have known on our own or uh, or something like that. And so there's been a lot of stories over the years. I remember um, just a couple of years ago, um, one of the things that was true is that as I've told some of these stories and we've been around things, you always want your kids to be around things. And so my little girl, she's uh, she was probably seven, seven years old at the time. Um, she wanted to see God do some of these things, you know, through her own hands or whatever, you know, and so you try to create opportunities and experiences for that. Well, um, well, this woman, she has her, uh, she has her mom in town and, uh, and I see her from a distance and she like waves. And she said, this, uh, this is my mom. She's in town from Pennsylvania or whatever. I'm like, cool. She said, um, 
she says um, she's been deaf in her ear since 1996. And I was like, what? And, uh, and I asked her and the woman's ear is completely like dead. Like there's nothing like you hear anything, you get any noise. You're saying that you're, you've got a certain degree of deafness and it's like, no, this is completely deaf. And so we do the testing that it's like, okay, is there anything actually happening or whatever? And nothing's happening at all. And so, uh, and so I pray for once nothing happens, pray for her again, nothing happens. And, and I wouldn't even say that we felt any kind of like energy or shaking or like there's sometimes there's people when you pray for things that you can actually feel something. And that's a great indicator that can build your faith. But what happens when you don't feel anything? Well, all of a sudden my daughter walks up, which was perfect timing. And she's like, what are you guys doing? And I was like, well, we're praying for this lady because she's deaf in one ear. You want to want to help us. And I got her just to lay hands and she's a little timid because she's intro introverted. And when we prayed for her that third time, all of a sudden that woman said, I felt something pop in my ear and nothing had drastically changed, but she felt a pop. And when she did her faith level kind of raised. Now, I don't believe that, you know, you can look in scripture. Some people had a lot of faith. Some people had no faith. You right. know, faith wasn't always a, de a determiner of things. But when that happened, I felt the permission from God to like, hey, let's go for this again. And the next time we prayed, I actually just bent down in her ear and I whispered, Jesus. And because uh, I told her before, I said, I'm going to whisper in your deaf ear. And if you hear anything, I want you to tell me what you hear. And as soon as I got over there and I just said, I think I said Jesus a third time. And then all of a sudden you just saw the brightness. We got it on video. I saw the brightness come in her eyes when she heard Jesus. And she said, Jesus, Jesus. She started saying, she said, I can hear. So the first words that she hears in her ear after being deaf for what, um, guess 25 years is the name Jesus. And those are the things that are kind of like, you know, and, and, and I love the stories that are outrageous, but you know what? God can, God can change somebody's life just from healing their wrist here, healing their thumb or, you know, breaking their fever or whatever. So we celebrate every one of those things, but it's just being faithful of like, I would say that when, what we learned in being in the prayer room, all of those, uh, for all of those years and having people show up that knew that they could go across the street to the new age shop and everything else, they know that the devil's going to give them information over there. They may not think it's the devil, but they're going to go over there and they're going to get something mm -hmm. showing up every, every day and, and expecting like, if God doesn't show up, they're going to know we're, they're going to believe we're a fraud. If God doesn't show up, we have nothing to offer. And living on that edge and believing that God's better than the devil, because if, if, if the devil will do this, like, why wouldn't God want to speak immensely more? And so living on that edge, I think through, through that time has really probably for us has shifted our idea of who God, the father is that that's more important than gifts. Like gifts are a part of him, but him speaking is just a direct result and, and us encountering him is all because he's a good father and he wants to encounter people. That's the whole theology behind this that I know for you and for me too, there was the change to realize how good God really is, how, um, how he really wants to release us to give us the privilege to minister healing that he really believes in us. And just like he had 12 disciples, as we all know, we've read stories about those guys. They weren't perfect. They had their ups and downs, but he still gave them the authority. And it's simply us being willing to trust our Heavenly Father and go do what He says. He says, go. So listen, this has been a great time. Um, 
It's my buddy Paul Dabdu. Paul, thanks for sharing so much, some good stuff. Um, if you're interested in more, you go to our website, permissionministries.com. We have all kinds of videos, um, some good books, materials. Paul, I think you've written a couple articles for us on that. But uh, we love bringing this stuff to you guys. And if you have any questions, you can go to our, our website, permissionministries.com. We also have some uh, uh, teaching uh, things on there. And uh, we offer uh, counseling, consulting, and mentoring, too. So uh, thanks for being with us, Paul. God bless you for listening, everybody.